0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, it happened again. You guys can see from the title of the podcast, you know what our lead story is going to be today. Lamella Ball, hurt again. And this one, uh, I mean, we don't know exactly what this is going to be like, but this is this is a little bit soul-crushing if you have Ball. I only have him in one team, so I feel like I sort of semi-kinda a little dodged a bullet there. But honestly, I don't I don't have a great answer as to what to do right now because this is Ball's third ankle sprain of the season. It's been the primary reason for him not getting anywhere near his expected value this year because on it on a game to game basis he's actually been like pretty decent he's number 29 uh, I thought he would probably be you know close to 20 on a per game basis and hanging out just a little bit behind that because his field goal percent is down is pretty expected but he's only at 22 ball games and he's gonna miss I would assume at least a week probably more when you have this thing like think of Steph. When Steph kept turning the same ankles over and over and over again, one, then the other, then back to the first one, then the same one two times in a row, eventually you have to just get off of it for a while. And then the other unfortunate part of all this is that the Hornets are basically into a tank now, so there's really no rush to bring him back. You probably can't get anywhere near fair value if you were going to sell on ball, and I don't think I have the stones to buy on him. There are some guys out there, There's some injured players where I'm like, look, this is an opportunity, you sort of jump in. Kevin Durant is one of them. I think he can be had at a pretty good price. He's like thinking about traveling on the Nets' upcoming trip, which I don't think he's going to be back, but remember... So like the news came out that he was going to be reevaluated in 2 weeks and then more news came out on KD that it was probably going to be closer to a month and then people were like, "Well, he's just going to take 6 weeks and go through the uh All-Star break." We don't actually know what the real answer is on KD. He might show up a little bit early. You know me, I play in Roto. I'm always looking at guys that might be a little bit of a value. I think Kevin Durant comes back and I think he's awesome when he comes back. I'm quite afraid of lamella ball here Uh, because of all of these injuries because they keep compounding. uh, I don't know when he's going to come back and I don't know what the Hornets are going to do with him when he does. But if you have him, you kind of, I would assume just probably need to hang on. Uh, I would consider selling for top 40. I don't know if anybody's going to give you that, but just look at your friendly neighborhood rank board and go from there. On the flip side, it's Dennis Smith Jr. time. I picked him up everywhere on planet Earth. Everywhere that I could get him. I There's like one league where I didn't quite move fast enough. Uh, but to me, he's a must-roster player right now. He was top 60 at the beginning of this year when Ball was out. He actually improved a tiny bit on that when Terry Rozier was out as well. Uh, but Dennis Smith, I would think... Is sort of like an easy cruising top seventy-five right now, and that's remind you uh, that Gordon Hayward is also still out. And as bad as Hayward's been, he does do a little bit of the ball handling stuff. So it's just, I mean, opportunity as far as the eye can see for Dennis Smith Jr., who did get in, got twenty-nine minutes in yesterday's ball game, got nine points, seven assists, a steal. Many games, the defensive stats will be higher than that. Don't expect him to score a ton. And I mean, if you really want to know like what to expect, go back to the Dennis Smith Jr. game log and just look towards the beginning of the season before he got hurt when he was playing more like 33 ish 32, 33 minutes of ballgame. He was in the like 13 points, seven-ish assists. And then the real key for him was that I mean he had game he had a six steel ball game in there, he had a four steel ball game in there. He actually got like 10 blocks over the first two or three weeks of the season. That's what you're going for. Cuz he's not getting many three-pointers. He's not a good foul shooter, but luckily he doesn't take any. And he's not a great shooter from the field either. But when you're that prolific defensively, he's averaging 2.1 defensive stats in only 25 and a half minutes per ball game. So you can click that up a little bit. The the assists, the steals, the blocks, there's enough there to make him a grab and I'm hoping that the usage part does sort of figure itself out, and maybe he gets back to like 12 or 13 points so that that category is not a big negative for him. But that's the big story of the day, I would think, is that uh, with ball going down and a no-rush timeline, whatever it might be is going to be a no-rush timeline, Dennis Smith Jr. needs to be on rosters. Welcome to the show, everybody. That's your intro today. It wasn't a rant. It was a here's something you got to do pretty quickly. And um, I mean, the only issue with the Dennis Smith Jr. stuff is that I don't think he has his next ball game for like another two days. They play Saturday. only one game left this week, so that makes it a little bit tougher on the head-to-head side. If you could try to delay picking him up until, I don't know, tomorrow. I doubt you can go all the way to Saturday. Maybe your league. Everybody's so obsessed with streaming that he hangs out until 12.01 a.m. on Saturday morning, but I don't know if I would wait that long. Like We might get three or four weeks of top 50, top 60 production out of this dude. That's probably worth just squatting on a day where he's not playing. Maybe two. I know, I know, streaming is the way. Anywho, I am Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This show, Fantasy NBA Today, is a Sports Ethos presentation. That website, sportsethos.com at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. 9164. That's the number of followers for that Ethos Fantasy BK feed and it should be way the hell higher than that. It's so good. If you're going to do me any favors on today's show, I guess I have two. Favor number 1, follow Ethos Fantasy BK. Favor number 2, go check out our YouTube page. It's blossoming. It's blossoming in the sunlight, everyone. It's Sports Ethos is the the link there youtube.com/sportsethos. Please go check that out. Uh, We're doing these shows Tuesday through Friday, typically live on YouTube, in addition to the recorded podcast that uh, many of you are listening to as well. The advantage to watching on YouTube, number one, is you get to view it before everybody else. This word that you are hearing, if you're watching it on YouTube, you're probably hearing it about an hour before anybody on the podcast channels even has access to it. And at the end of... Let's say 90% of our live YouTube shows, I take questions in the chat room that you guys don't hear on the recorded side. So, I think that's a pretty good reason to come watch live. But let's go ahead and dive into yesterday's card. Like I said, things are... Uh, I gotta move along a little bit today. It's a its a super busy day for me. I don't want this show to go 45-50 minutes So we're going to try to tackle the most important things as we work through it. And there were a couple in this Atlanta-Dallas game to sort of kick things off on this delightful Thursday morning. Clint Capella has basically jumped Okongwu in the pecking order. And for Atlanta, defensively, he's just superior. Okongwu has some nice offensive moves now. We've seen him. He can rack up defensive stats, but that's different than actual defense. And you can start to look at the plus minus with these things. And yeah, I mean, some of it's going to be the units that they play with. But Capella around the rim is just such a huge difference maker for the Hawks. He makes life hard for other teams' big men and then guys who drive. So Okonwu, um, I don't think there's any real reason to hold on to him through the trade deadline. The Hawks aren't trying to move Capella. He's a big part of what they're trying to do. They just they can't afford... I mean, John Collins, we know he's been on the trade block forever. If he moves, they probably go more smaller lineups. Uh, you'll see more DeAndre Hunter. You'll see... I don't think it changes Okongo's trajectory that much, although maybe they run them together for like two minutes of ball game, but that's really not enough floor spacing in the modern NBA. Bogdan Bogdanovich continues to be a buy low. I still haven't really done what I promised to figure out how what he's going to cost you. But he's slumping in his shooting right now. Everything else is fine. Five assists, a steal, two three-pointers. If he makes one or two more shots this ballgame, no one's talking about how he's in a slump. On the Dallas side, Dorian Finney-Smith came back. He had nine points, nine boards, and three assists. Tim Hardaway Jr. was out. And, you know, I, I, everybody's like, hey, should I pick up Dorian Finney-Smith? I'm like, well, I mean, we saw this team healthy at the beginning of the year, and he didn't do anything then. And now Christian Wood is doing more The only reason why you might look at Finney-Smith is if the Mavericks go smaller more often, which is more Christian Wood at center, more Finney-Smith at power forward, as opposed to like their starting lineup yesterday, for instance. Dwight Powell was the center, Wood at power forward, Finney-Smith at small forward. That's not good for fantasy value. But I I need to see consistent production out of Finney-Smith before I do anything there. Other than, I think for now, you could probably call him, like, a schedule stream. And same deal for Reggie Bullock, as long as Tim Hardaway Jr.'s out. Because he'll get a couple of three-pointers that he wouldn't have gotten. Otherwise, I mean, maybe THJ's back for the next ballgame. These are not guys I'm springing towards. And, frankly, I don't... I mean, I can look it up. But off the top of my head, I don't know if the Mavericks have a particularly favorable schedule in the next, like, three to five days. I mean, we pull it up on the screen yeah they pretty much just go every other day for like the next week folks picture this nightmare scenario you're hosting friends for the big game it's neck and neck in the fourth quarter and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks Boo! say all of your friends you start to sweat Let's touch Washington, New York. My good buddy, Daniel Gafford, is is a drop. I was hoping that he would be able to hang on and put up some numbers. And he was part of all of the units that were winning this ballgame. But he got some fouls early, came out about five minutes into the game. He played another five or six minutes at the end of the first half. He only, I think, played... No, he didn't actually. Excuse me. He played uh, more in the second half than the first. But it's not consistent enough. We needed him to be more in that. We've talked about it plenty, so I don't want to rehash it too many times, but we needed him to be more in that consistent 24 minute range and uh you know, 17 to 21 just isn't going to be enough. Monte Morris had another decent ball game. I don't think you can trust him really. Uh Bradley Beal was back. He only took 11 shots. Beal was generally going to do more than that. Denny Avdia had more going in this ballgame. Because the Wizards, just as a team, were shooting the ball really well from three-point land, so everybody got a little bit extra. The player that I do want to continue to keep an eye on is Delon Wright, who had another good ball game, but the minutes were back down. So I'm kind of in this balancing act here where, you know, Corey Kispert probably doesn't get to play very much when these guys are playing well. Is there a future for the Wizards where... DeLon Wright picks up another six minutes for ballgame at the expense of, say, Monte Morris or Denny Avdia. Could they run those types of units? I don't know. I I don't see many places for him to add minutes here while these guys are healthy. So I want to badly, I badly want to pick up DeLon Wright, but I'm not doing it, because 22 minutes consistently just isn't enough. Uh, You know, two blocks and a three-pointer and 4-for-4 four four free throws. These are things that you can't expect out of DeLon. The steals, yes. Some assists, yes. But, I mean, you might as well go Dennis Smith Jr. because he's probably this, almost the same exact stat set, but just you're looking at, like, an extra 10 minutes per ballgame. Over on the Knicks side, Mitchell Robinson banged his thumb and sprained it, which is a really big deal for the Knicks. He's a, a huge part of what they do defensively, and you can see it. I mean, Washington put up a buck 16 on him. I don't know if you guys remember when we used to have... We used to talk to, to Bogman all the time, and we used to hashtag things thumb stuff, but this is thumb stuff. No, they're not going to play Isaiah Hardenstein all that much. They're just going to go Julius Randle at the five more regularly. What this does mean, and we saw Jericho Sims actually pick up about 20 center minutes, is if this means that there are like 10 center minutes that normally would have gone to Mitchell Robinson that they don't really want to give to his backups... That would mean a little more Randall at the five, which was hard in this bit ba- game because Porzingis is what seven one, seven two. Like you can't put what's Randall six eight. A roster, what's he a roster six nine? That that's not. I mean, I know he can rough up Porzingis, but Kristaps could just flip it right over his head. Uh so you had to run a little Jericho Sims, who did foul out, by the way. If they're not playing a team with a seven foot two big man. They probably, the Knicks, this is the they here, can go to a more Emmanuel Quickly small ball lineup, which they kind of did in this one. Quickly got 32 minutes. I think he's an add, actually, in head-to-head while we try to figure out what's going on with Mitchell Robinson. On the Roto side, you can probably hold off a little bit, or if you want to add him and then stash him, I don't know how many roster spots you have open, but Gafford looks like he's fallen on hard times, and the Lakers center situation, we'll get to that a little later. That's possible drop, guys. Uh, Kyle Lowry came back, so the Heat have some guys you can drop. There are possible drops here, so when I'm I'm talking about these ads, I think there are actually kind of corresponding names you could look at. Um, But this is really interesting for quickly. The 32 minutes is really interesting. That's not a number he's getting to under most circumstances. Now, Randall had a little bit of foul trouble himself. He had five, but he still played 34 minutes instead of, like, what, 38, 37, 38 in a normal... Tom Thibodeau starters ball game. That to me is not like that. That's not enough to move quickly from cut line to ad line. Uh, he's someone that might still be on a lot of rosters just because he had played so well when a bunch of Knicks were hurt. Um, so he's probably not heavily available in your league. That said, uh, there may be something there. If Robinson has to mitch time and the Knicks decide they want to go smaller. Thunder win again. Contributions from all across the board. The Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton are bad. They're not even okay without Halliburton. They're flat out bad. Miles Turner got uh, 20 minutes here. Picked up six blocks in a blowout loss in only 20 minutes, which is pretty amazing. Uh, His continued... I mean, we we still don't really know what's going on there because we've heard that he's in contract negotiations. We've heard that they're breaking down. If I'm... You know, fantasy wise, I don't think there was a whole lot in this ballgame. I've been on this podcast saying hold on to Andrew Nemhard, because all he needs is to see a couple shots go in and then everything's gonna tip for him, and that's what we got here in a much better ball game. TG McConnell is an obvious hold. He wasn't as good in this one, but he's been great filling in. I still don't really like Benedict Matherin's fantasy game, but he probably is playable while Halliburton's out. He's more the fringy guy for me. My my main thoughts I have no thoughts on the Thunder. Outside of what we've already been doing, which is playing Jalen Williams, Josh giddy has been better. Shea, obviously, um, no, you're not rolling. Kenny Hustle, Kenrich Williams had ten assists. That's pretty weird. Isaiah Joe, you're not rolling with him. It's just not consistent enough. On the indie side, if you're trying to figure out what's actually going on there, and Buddy Hield had a bad ball game, but he'll be fine. The reports that you hear coming out, trade deadline related, are all about what team is trying to move the price tag. So when you hear that Miles Turner is deep into negotiations with the Pacers, that's the Pacers putting that out, obviously, because they want to make sure that other teams know, hey, we are willing to keep this guy, because that makes their position feel stronger. And when you hear the report that, oh, the negotiations are breaking down, and then the Pacers might have to entertain trade offers, that's other teams' Who want Miles Turner putting that out into the water? Hey, we heard, blah, blah, blah. We heard that things are not going that well in negotiations because they want to make it seem like the Pacers are going to have no choice but to try to get value from him on the trade market. This is all the next, I mean, it's three weeks from today. The trade deadline is all about reading between the lines. That's the big thing right now. Read between the lines on the trade market. Okay, Nothing that you hear is real. Everything is just somebody trying to get a little edge. Karis Levert was better than I expected. Uh, Played 42 minutes, so that's part of it. But 23 points, 4 boards, 6 assists. He was actually relatively efficient in the Cavs' last-second loss to the Memphis Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, I, I still don't trust Levert to start in a Roto League. You can probably start him in head-to-head while Donovan Mitchell's out. And I don't know. I'm, I'm, so many people keep asking me, should I drop Ricky Rubio? And I'm like, why did you add him? It feels very strange. I know that this is like me complaining. It's old man shouting at the clouds. But when I go on this podcast and I say, I don't think you need to add Ricky Rubio. And then someone comes to me and is like, hey, I have Ricky Rubio. What should I do with him? I'm like, Bush, turn my podcast back and go back three days. You don't need to worry about it, man. They're going to bring him along really slowly. And he probably needs at least one, probably two guys out in front of him for it to make any sense. No real fantasy notes there other than Levert head-to-head. Miami blew out the Pelicans. Pel's, uh I mean, they're just down too many bodies right now. No Zion, no Herb, still no Ingram. Although I think there was some video of Ingram inching closer, which, I mean, like enough of these videos. Just play or don't play, dude. I don't need to see video of you playing. Somebody give me a damn timeline. Somebody tell me he's getting close. The rest is crap. You can throw out a lot of the box score here on both sides because this game was over real, real early. Um, Kyle Lowry came back, played 22 minutes. That number will slowly increase. He actually played relatively well, and I still have people like, hey, should I dump him now? I'm like, dude, he just came back from missing two weeks. They're not going to push him in this first game. But He had eight boards, four assists, a steal, a three-pointer. He'll be okay. Jimmy Butler had a bad game. Nobody's asking if they should drop him. I know. Tyler Hero, not much there. I mean, like, the starters did exactly what they needed to do to open up a massive lead, and then the reserves kept opening. No changes. Trey Murphy, I still think, is streamable on the Pell side. I know, like, he's been fluctuating, but this has been generally better than bad. Uh, and that's probably as far as I go. I still don't really like Najee Marshall's game for the Roto side. If you badly need counting stats, like literally just points, boards, and assists, then he can give you some of those. But there are better stream options out there than Najee Marshall. And his teammate Jose Alvarado has actually been better than him most nights lately anyway from a like across-the-board perspective. But I also don't think he's on the right side of the line, uh, at least when it comes to the Roto side. We talked about LaMelo Ball. Charlotte beat Houston um, half of the game without LaMelo because Terry Rozier, every day looking a little bit more like himself. Overall on the season now, he's up to number 123. I feel like every time we check in on Rozier, he's up 10 more slots. And where does that put him over the last month now? He hasn't even been good for the last month. He's shooting 44% over that stretch. He's number 85 over the last month, over the last three weeks, he's number 74, shooting 46.5%. And how about the last two weeks? I feel like it's been even better than that. 28 the last two weeks, shooting 49%. Now, I get it. You're going to say, okay, Dan, well, he's not going to shoot 49% for the entire year. That's right. He won't. But he shot so terribly at the beginning that you could actually expect him to shoot 50 to 55% for a couple of weeks here as part of this, like, needle coming back to the middle type of thing. But, I mean, if you're looking for other storylines with this team, besides just the Dennis Smith Jr. pickup, Mark Williams had 17-6 and six with five blocks. Mason Plumlee actually had a good ball game and still played 29 minutes. Uh, but he's very much a candidate to be traded. Frankly, he should be for anything, because he's on an expiring deal and... I mean, there's really almost no reason for him to want to be back in Charlotte, although maybe next year they, like, make a push at it. So I wouldn't totally write it off that he might try to come back, but my guess is that he'll test the open market, and they may trade him for get a second-round pick or a protected late first or something like that. You know, they'll try to get what they can. And Mark Williams is the dude waiting in the wings. He makes a ton of sense as a keeper-style pickup, and maybe you get lucky and things turn good uh by the trade deadline. Houston, uh, Alpern Schengen built off his last last good ball game with another good one. Now everybody beats up on the Hornets, so I don't want to read too much into it, and everybody beats up on Thomas Bryant, but still nice to see him playing with some confidence. Jalen Green had one of his kind of out of the blue big shooting games. It still, I mean, it does feel like he should sorta level off somehow. Maybe a few more like this, and we'll forgive the first three and a half months of the year. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. also tweaked an ankle in this ballgame. That likely means more K.J. Martin if he has to miss any time. He's kind of the first man off the bench to slide into the starting five. Kevin Porter Jr. was very close. He was a game-time decision that did not play, so I'm guessing he'll be back for Houston next game, and then that just readjusts what everybody actually gets to do on a game-to-game basis. Next on the docket. Utah got Larry Markkinen back and the Clippers went full scheduled L for this ball game. You guys might remember on yesterday's show, I went on a rant about how unbelievably hard it is to travel into altitude off the late Pacific time game the night before and how a team that's already being careful with their guys, there was no chance anyone of merit was going to play in this game unless they were like, I am 100% fine and I have all the energy in the world. So, not surprisingly, two superstars for the Clippers did not play. This is, again, what they call a scheduled loss. You just take it. They played some of their other guys thinking, hey, maybe we catch lightning in a bottle, and then as soon as they realized they weren't, then they got all those guys out, and the Clippers will rest up their uh, non-star regulars for the next one. Everybody was wondering why I had a big, I had a double burger on Norman Powell yesterday, and it's because he was going to be the only guy left that could score on this team. He had 30. Huge ball game for Powell. Everybody also wondered why I only had one burger on Terrence Mann, and it's because I do think a lot of what he does is built off of uh, energy, and I figured he wasn't going to have any, and he didn't. He didn't even deserve the one burger. You deserved no burgers yesterday, Terrence. I also wondered if Rob Covington might see a little bit of playing time. He didn't, so I think we can probably kind of forget about whatever was going on there. And frankly, you can forget everything you saw in this game for the Clippers And just, like, if you want to scan their schedule, find out if they have another altitude back-to-back. I doubt it. That would be mean. Um, But this would be the, you know, file it in the Rolodex as the one tiny piece of data we have on that one. Utah side needs a little bit more discussion here, so let's spend a minute or two on the Jazz. First of all, Larry Markkinen came back. He looked amazing. 34-12, and six three-pointers. He's having an unreal season. Uh, It's a rare instance where both teams kind of got what they wanted to out of this trade because Donovan Mitchell's been amazing in Cleveland. The surprises for me coming out of this ball game were that Mike Conley— well, one, really. I, Mike Conley was still very good. I thought that he would go back to just kind of hanging onto the steering wheel. Um, and instead, he—well, he only took eight shots, so I guess he didn't do that much more, but he was hot. He made five of them. So not everything I thought was wrong. He had nine assists because his teammates also made shots. That's important. Uh, he was never a drop necessarily, but he was someone that I benched in some roto spots when it looked like he was just going to be content to have nine points, seven assists and nothing else. Walker Kessler still being good was not a surprise. Uh, Jordan Clarkson only taking 11 shots instead of like 30, not a surprise. Malik Beasley, not being streamable. Colin Sexton, not being streamable, not a surprise. And Jared Vanderbilt getting a, taking a huge hit was also not a surprise. These were all the things we expected to happen. The only thing we didn't expect that still happened was Conley continuing to be better than he was before. Minnesota, man, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in this ball game. They had it, and then they got outscored 9 nothing down the stretch. I think, they, I think the stat was something like they went 0-6 from the field with three turnovers. <laughs> yes, I shudder. I shudder at the thought. No Rudy Gobert. Foul trouble for Nas Reed going up against Nikola Jokic. That'll happen from time to time, and he still posted a nice line: 17 points, three boards, three blocks for Nas. He's all systems go, man. He's a triple burger stream for Rudy Gobert as long as Rudy is out. Um, Slow mo: 13, 11, and eight, four steals and a block. Incredible, incredible nine cat stream guy. Missed his free throws again, but the rest of the line was so damn good that you know it's hard to be particularly upset about it. You just keep rolling with those guys. Denver side, nothing really there. Michael Porter Jr. had a bad ballgame, but uh, but he'll be fine. And then Sacramento beat LA 116-111. I don't know if you guys saw the end of this ballgame, but the Lakers got whistled for a clear path foul because they were trying to foul at the end of the ballgame, and they fouled Rashawn Holmes when no one was between Rashawn and the basket. I mean, it was like, oh, Lord, Lakers. Uh, LeBron had a big line. But by all accounts, and this is going to seem a little petty of me, I guess, but this was, I thought, one of his worst games recently. Not fantasy wise, uh, because he's still just like trucking along as a first round value since that early season injury. And he's number 16 on the season at this point. So, like, no complaints fantasy wise for LeBron. But he settled for jumpers in this game. And you can tell by the 44% shooting, he's settled. He'd been on a vicious run. I mean, look at LeBron's recent ball games, but more than anything, look at LeBron's recent field goal percent in his ball games lately. In the Dallas game where they lost in a bunch of overtimes, too many jumpers. I almost still won that ball game, but they didn't. But look at all the other ones. 62%, 65, 50, 53, 62, 67, 56, 50. How many three-pointers he have in those games? Typically 0 or 1. He had 2 yesterday and he shot 9. That's bad. And I frankly think that that might have cost the Lakers the ball. Not that you can, like, blame it on LeBron because he has no help, but he wasn't doing the stuff that's been working, which is attack, attack, attack. The other note is that Thomas Bryant and uh, Wendy Gabriel have moved into a timeshare at the center position. Uh, Neither one of them is a start right now. So it's LeBron, and then if you're in a points or punting a lot of stuff format, Russell Westbrook. Uh, On the Sacramento side, no... Uh, Demarcus Sabonis, he was sick. He's very durable, has shown himself willing to play through most stuff, so he must have been pretty under the weather. Rashawn Holmes came out of nowhere, 16-11 on perfect shooting. Sabonis has missed another ball game. You can probably go Holmes again, although he's not always going to have Thomas Bryant to pick on uh, on the offensive side. Kevin Herter did more. Darren Fox did more. Harrison Barnes did more. No surprise. And then Keegan Murray had 10 rebounds, which is, you guys remember, something we've been watching. Now... A lot of that was based on the fact that Sabonis wasn't there to grab every rebound, uh, so that left more for Keegan Murray. But it is nice to know that it's in there. He had 10 points, 10 boards, and two threes, so it was a relatively quiet fantasy game overall. But this is kind of like the, oh, okay, so like if the Kings ever run anything where Sabonis isn't literally just playing for the defensive rebound, uh, Keegan can get enough of them. And the Kings found a way offensively, which was basically just go right at the middle of the Lakers. And if you have the personnel to do it, which Sacramento does, there's no resistance for LA. Lakers have been playing better, typically against teams that don't have folks that are willing to attack the bucket. Jump shooting teams, because they'll just sag off. They'll just, I mean, they'll go under screens, things like that. Just as long as you're not com- getting into the paint and messing with Poor Thomas Bryant. The Lakers have been somewhat content. You know, to LA's credit, they hang with everybody these days. Uh, but they just, you know, they need a little bit more. And uh, to the Kings' credit, they're now the number three seed. And our season win total bet, which I believe was, wasn't it, over 32 and a half? I mean, they're almost there. mm mm Wouldn't it be nice to be able to collect that bet by, like, the middle of February? Don't even have to wait until April. Go ahead and do it, Kings. I have a... Ugh, I don't want to... I'm not going to say the number, but I have more money on the Kings season win total over this year than I typically put on wagers. But it's one of the, in my opinion, one of the best season win total things I've talked about on this show in like the last four years because it was like, okay, they got better pieces. They got pieces that fit and got rid of Luke Walton. It was a double bonus. And they only had to go up by like two wins over the previous year. And De'Aaron Fox was a disaster last season. I mean, it was all like... Anyway. Um, all right, so that's your Wednesday recap. Let me... Uh, let's transition over to Thursday because I know you guys like it when we do the um, the quick, the lightning round look ahead. So let's do that before we shut everything down here on this Thursday show. I know I'm... Like I said, I got to try to move a little quick. Chicago is at Detroit. I... Uh, well, we're waiting on the status of DeMar DeRozan because the Bulls have been off for a while. They're playing... In uh, Europe, I think this game's in Paris, if I'm remembering correctly. So that's why Chicago and Detroit have been off most of the week. Um, if DeMar's playing, then all the Alex Caruso fun we were having evaporates, and that's probably all you really need to worry about there. Detroit, uh, Jalen Duran lost his passport. He had plenty of time to try to find it, but we still actually don't know if he found it. But it sounds like he's feeling better, so at least there's that. If Jalen Duren and Isaiah Stewart are both in this game, I think you have to pretty much abandon ship on any other front court players for the Pistons. And frankly, I don't think I would start Stewart if he's at power forward. You're just at Duren at that point. Um, and then you got Killian Hayes kind of rumbling along, and Detroit goes back to being a little bit, frankly, less interesting fantasy wise. Warriors are in Boston. Should be a fun one if Golden State can keep up. They've been bad on the road this year. For Boston, Jalen Brown did practice but is still listed as questionable. We don't know if he's going yet. As of this moment, if he goes, I don't think I start Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. They got these big, big bumps when they had extra shots to take. I don't think that I can roll with them if they don't have those extra shots, but I'm totally fine starting the big men, Al Horford, Robert Williams playing tandem basketball again. Boston back to the lineup that they envisioned at the start of the year. Toronto they're just playing their starters colossal minutes. So meh. Minnesota on the back to back hosting the Raptors. You know I, the line suggests that Gobert is still out. So let's get Nas Reed and Slowmo fired back up again. Philly in Portland. I really want to know what the plan is here long term for De'Anthony Melton. Uh. I like I said yesterday, I really don't like him as a do nothing role player alongside Harden Embiid and Tobias Harris. I liked him better running the second unit. If the plan is really just to let him stand around with the the big name guys, he probably ends up being a drop in that spot. But I'm trying to give him like two to three more ball games. I know it's hard to wait when he's been doing very little. Uh, but if he does settle into that spot, I don't want to have dropped too early, if that makes sense. Portland, nothing really, unless we get any sort of injury stuff coming over the course of the day. I'd like to see Josh Hart get his confidence back, but that's the only note there. Brooklyn and Phoenix, the Phoenix side is really all about who's in and who's out. We know Cam Johnson is making his return on a severe minutes cap, but he still needs to be rostered because at full strength, Cam is a top 70 type of play this year. Uh, We saw it last season when he had a couple weeks filling in for Jay Crowder. He was able to put up top 70 value. Uh, Chris Paul is also questionable for this ballgame. So if he's back in there, that really shifts what you're doing with the Suns. Landry Shamit is back out again. So make sure you're not accidentally still holding on to him. You kind of just have to wait for all the game time decision stuff for Phoenix, and then you can make a call there. But uh, we're certainly watching how Cam looks in his probably, what, 12 to 16 minutes, something in that neck of the woods. Don't use a games cap on him. If you picked him up in head-to-head, obviously you just take what he gives you. And then hopefully we see Chris Paul back for the Suns as well. On the other side of this game, Brooklyn. So far, everything's played out exactly as expected. Kyrie Irving is back for this game after a rest day. Uh, That means that Seth Curry, TJ Warren, and Joe Harris are all very much a juggling act of who might have better value on a given night. And I expect Royce O'Neal to play better in this one as well. If you didn't do it earlier in the show, now that we're basically done, make sure you go pick up Dennis Smith Jr. That's the one, that's the move of the day. Also, hey, recorded listeners, come hang out with us on YouTube for the next one. I'll be doing it again tomorrow on Friday. Then you get your questions answered SportsEthos.com, YouTube.com/slash SportsEthos Ethos Fantasy BK. I am once again Dan Bespris on Twitter. D A N B E S B R I S. Hit me up if you want to be part of what we're doing here at Sports Ethos. We are recruiting podcast hosts. Oh yes, I'm throwing a new recruiting pitch out there today. Do you want to cover a team in a non- fantasy sense? Meaning, do you want to basically be like a beat reporter? that podcasts about the team that you love and you're ready to dig in on it, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespers, or email roster at sportsethos.com. Friends of the pod, have a delightful Thursday. We'll talk to you all tomorrow for the Friday Week in Review show. Those are always a lot of fun. So long, everybody. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only, price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer, single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba. So, you've got an idea for a business the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything.